Let me ask you to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. If you're visiting with us, we have been in Ephesians, as you can see, for uh, quite a number of weeks, uh, looking at first the theology of, of new life, what it means to come to Christ, and now we're in the portion of uh, this letter where it talks about what this new community in Christ really is to look like. It will look different than the world around us. It will look different than the unbelieving world. And certainly in Paul's day, that was the case. Now what we've done the last two weeks, uh, we uh, in, infused this in the Ephesians series, but we spent two weeks on the foundations of marriage uh, before we moved forward into this section on uh, wives and husbands. So we're going to pick up with uh, verse 21, which looks like it's in the last section, uh, last verse in one section. But as you who have been here know, I am convinced it is uh, a connector between that section and what follows. Paul has talked about Submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit, to their, uh, submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any, any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound. I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's bow together. Lord, will you calm our rebellious hearts? Hearts and minds that in some cases have, have decided against what you've said here. Lord, will you be our teacher? Will you cause your spirit to enable us to conform to your word? Because as our Father, you always tell us what's best for us. Not what's worst, but what's best. 
So give us ears to hear that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now as we enter into this section on the roles of wives and husbands, I want to first emphasize a term. And you can find it in your, the outline, which is in your worship guide. And that term is complementarianism. And that's with an E. Complementarianism is a, a theological view. And I'll just tell you right up front, I would put myself in, in this category. It's a, a theological view that men and women have different but complementary roles and responsibilities in marriage, family life, religions, leadership, and elsewhere. In other words, male and female, and especially for our purposes within marriage, have different roles that are not superior or inferior, but they're different. And they complement each other. And they give us insight into the relationship between Christ and the church. Let me direct you to what I just read in verse 32. After he had talked about Uh, husbands and wives, he said, this mystery is profound. And I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Now, we're going to deal with that a little bit this week, even more next week when we look at uh, the role of the husband. But but we've got to uh, keep that in mind. So, complementarians... uh, resist the two views on each side. The one side would be chauvinistic and domineering, abusive, and that kind of a culture of a husband toward the wife. That would be one extreme that the complementarian, of course, would resist. The other extreme is one that you will find certainly in our society. It's more politically correct, and there are mainline denominations that would hold to this as well, and that would be to take a a sex-blind, gender-neutral, unisex perspective on culture, and especially marriage. In other words, to say there is no difference, which is to ignore what we talked about two weeks ago with uh, male, God making us male and female. Now, let me, let me say this, that neither of those extremes can bear up to the scrutiny of the Scripture. Neither of them. They've both gone to the extreme, but the farther they go that way, the farther away from the Word of God 
it's taken. So let's back up and uh, be reminded uh, of the context here of Paul talking about wives submitting to the husband. And we hit on this, it's been several weeks ago, so I want to remind you, and this is the reminder of why I started with uh, verse 21, and that is, I'm convinced that what Paul is saying here is that everyone is to submit. Uh, Verse 21, submitting to one another out of a reverence for Christ, and then he goes into wives, husbands, fathers, children, slaves, masters. And I believe that this uh, verse 21 not only ends that section, but it's the umbrella verse over the whole next section. So he's about to tell uh, the, the uh, believers in Ephesus, who are in a very pagan uh, society, he's about to tell them, this is what it looks like to live as a Christian community, in relationship. And it's different than your world has told you, he is saying to those in Ephesus, and he's saying to us as well. It's different than what your world has told you because the key in every relationship is submission to another. No matter who you are, no matter what your role is. Uh, the idea of to submit to one another, we looked at uh, um, uh, several weeks ago. It's like the military to line up under, to get in order, to be arranged. It's, uh, it's the same idea as like being alphabetized, you know, getting in, in the right place. There's only one right place for, uh, for each letter and so on. And that's the specific word that is uh, used here. Now, in terms of believers living a life of submission, let me just give you two outside illustrations outside of the family. You saw one today. When people join the church, when people take vows, what they said is, I I will subject myself to the government and discipline of this church, promise to study its purity and peace. That's submission. It's not a bad thing. They're not bad people for doing that. They're not weak people for doing that. It's the right place for them. In several weeks when we ordain and install officers, they will answer a question. These are the officers of the church, elders and deacons. Some would say the leaders of the church. They will promise Subjection to the brothers. That's a part of their vows. So no matter who we are, if we are in the kingdom, we will be in a position of submission if we are to truly be followers of Christ. Now let's look at the wife's role of submission. I am convinced, because the Word of God is so clear here, that that is God's way Verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. What it says literally is wives to your husbands. It had just said, talked about submission. So here he's saying this is how you wives are going to uh, fulfill 
all of us being in submission to one another. Now, I want you to realize uh, uh, if, you know, ask yourselves, you, you who are wives here, ask yourselves, what was my first response when, when I heard that we were talking about submission today? Was it, oh, rats, I miscalculated, I thought that was last week, or, or how did we stumble into this church this week? Uh, here we go, submission. What, what was your first reaction to that? Well, here's what I want you to know about that, is that whatever it was, and I'm not saying it was necessarily negative, but whatever your first response was, it's not, you're not just expressing your response about how you feel about your husband. You're expressing your response to what God has said is best in your part in marriage, in the marriage relationship. First, um, this verse has been so misinterpreted, misused, let's talk about what it's not. Uh, submission is not some kind of a doormat theology. Uh, Paul and those who teach what the Bible says are often accused of uh, uh, making women into doormats where their husbands figuratively step on them, wipe their feet on them, use them. That's not biblical submission. That's not even close. It's not an excuse for abuse. Only weak men who are cowards use it that way. That's nowhere in the Scripture. Anyone who bullies his wife has to completely ignore what the Scripture as a whole, and particularly in this passage, says. There is no room, no place for that in the kingdom of God and in followers of Christ. That does not show strength. In fact, this passage is not a command for the husband at all. This part of Scripture is addressed to the wife. It never says, husbands, cause your wives to submit. Or husbands, help your wives submit. Force your wives to submit. For that's what's best for them. <clears throat> that's not even close to what it says. In fact, it doesn't. It, this is not addressed to men at all. There's a command for men. But a husband who is telling his wife, you have to submit to me. You have to do what I say is out of line. We're going to look next week at the command for the husband but he's never to be the enforcer of God's command to his wife. He is not his wife's Holy Spirit. 
The fact is, if a husband wants his wife to lovingly submit, trying to force her to do so is the worst possible thing. The best thing is what we're going to talk about next week. And that is loving his wife like Christ loved the church. Which, by the way, I'm convinced is the way the husband submits to his wife. We'll get to that next week. So what is it then? Wives, verse 22, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. First of all, it says to your own husbands. It's not women in general, to men in general. Wives, to your own husbands. And then it says as to the Lord. This, for the believing wife, should be the, the most persuasive incentive. That phrase right there. Think about Christian woman's submission to the Lord. If Jesus came up to you uh, with a command, I don't think most of you would say, uh, you, you wives, I don't think most of you would say, okay, I'll do it if you insist, but you don't know how hard this is for me. What a big sacrifice I'm making for you, Jesus. You see how weird that sounds? You wouldn't say that. Certainly you wouldn't hear either. Your answer would most likely be, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus, I'm your servant. I'll do as you ask me. And so is this somehow in a different category? Paul presses forward and talks about the illustration of the church in Christ. Verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, verse 24, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. First of all, just that in everything, don't dwell on that. We can think of exceptions to that. Of course, if you know, your husband uh, asks you to do something that is clearly against God's command, at some point you have to say, I must obey God rather than man. But don't dwell on that. That in most marriages is the, is the rarity and ought never to happen if the husband is loving his wife. So it talks about the husband as the head, even as Christ is the head of the church, Savior of the body. So here's the parallel. The husband, we have Christ as the head of the church, Savior of the body, which is the church. And so the parallel is going to be that uh, the husband is the head and the wife is parallel to the body. Now some women might say, well, that's degrading. That's putting me down to indicate that. When a body responds to its head, it's not degrading. It is harmonious. If a body doesn't respond to its head, that is degrading. When we see a a well-coordinated, functioning body, both the body and the head are honored. 
you know, when I walk across the dam just for exercise, and I, I see um, different kinds of joggers passing me, joggers and, and real runners. I was a jogger when I was doing that, so I'm not putting down joggers. But, you know, when you see one who's a real runner, I don't care if it's a, a, a man or a woman, and you've seen them, they just kind of glide along. And you think, why doesn't my body do that, you know? <laughs> why can't everybody look like that when they run? And it, it's, it's a great sight. That's when the head and the body are communicating and are, are in, in harmony. And it's a great thing to behold. That's the illustration that he's giving here. It is not degrading. When the body doesn't respond to the head, both are dishonored. Let me show you another reason for uh, the, that it's not dishonoring to have a head. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3. And I, I encourage you to turn to that. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, and mark this. Here we see Paul again. And we won't worry about the context because the context we're concerned about is right inside this verse. Normally I wouldn't say that to you. He says this, verse 3, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a, a wife is her husband, 1 Corinthians eleven three, 3, and the head of Christ is God. Now, do you see what Paul has done here? Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's, here's what he has done. He has um, sandwiched between two non-controversial statements a statement that to some would be controversial, and that is that the head of a wife is her husband. So some would think that's controversial. Look what he, he slaps that right in between these two things. No Christian questions that the head of every man is Christ. Of course he is, we would say. And no Christian questions that the head of Christ is God. Now, we've talked about that. That's in terms of their roles, not their value. Christ is fully God, equal in every way, but he, He's subordinated in the structure of the Trinity and how they carry out their roles. So Paul's point is that uh, there are God-ordained structures. No one is to put down no one is put down when they fit into the, the structure the way God wants them to. So here's how it is. As Christians, our roles and responsibilities vary, but our value does not. Our roles and responsibilities are different, but our value before God is not. And to reason differently is to conclude that if, if the head of Christ is God, means he's inferior to the Father. And we know that's not the case. That's a heresy that used to get people burned at the stake. So here he puts together these three statements 
confident of that middle one that he knew some would have difficulty with. When I do premarital counseling, I share Ephesians 5, uh, generally at the very beginning. I always ask, why does it tell wives to submit and husbands to love, but it never tells the wives to love their husband? Why do you think that is? Now, I'm giving away the answer now, so I, you know, I won't be able to say this again, but most couples sit there and go, hmm, wow, why, why would that be the case? I'm convinced that the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, specifically pointed out and gave commands to us, telling us precisely to do that which he knew would be harder for us. So, he knew that some wives, because of the fall, go back to Genesis, some wives would struggle with submission. But he also knew some husbands would struggle with loving their wife. For most Wives, loving comes more naturally. He didn't even bother to put that command in there. I'm convinced he knew more where the struggle would be. Look at verse 33 then. However, let, and this is, we have the husband's part in the middle, which we'll hit next week, but then he says at the end, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself. And let the wife see that she respects her husband. What if he's not respectable? Again, I believe Paul hits both husbands and wives at the place they tend to be weak. A man can uh, try to uh, dominate his wife with strength. And most women cannot literally overpower their husband in terms of physical strength. And so what's a woman's weapon? Her weapon can be even harsher than physical strength. To disrespect with words that tear down. It might be an embarrassing reminder or or something or a, a cutting remark in front of others that diminishes her husband and doesn't show respect. So again, what if he's not respectable? The word actually has uh, the same root. I want you to follow me here. It has the same root as the word up in verse 21 where it talks about out of a reverence for Christ. Reverence and respect. It comes from the same root. I don't believe that was an accident. I believe Paul wanted those two things connected, that that your reverence, your respect for your husband goes back to your reverence for Christ. So your respect for your husband 
is not because he deserves it or he's respectable, because uh, even if most of the time he is, there will be times when he is not. That doesn't negate the command. And so that's why we've got to see this is connected with our reverence for Christ out of a desire to please God, not just pleasing your husband. In other words, Paul points out to us exactly what we absolutely need the Holy Spirit to enable us to do. He had just talked about uh, being filled with the Spirit. And no wife can submit to her husband, respect her husband, unless she walks filled with the Spirit. Just like we'll see next week, no husband will love his wife like he should unless he walks filled with the Spirit. So some reminders for you wives. Some of you hear that, uh, oh, there's a message on submission. Hey, I got no problem with that. I like to submit. I submit in everything. Well, for some of you, that's because that's your personality. And I want to caution you against taking pride in that. If God made you a naturally submissive person, you can't say, yep, I'm submissive, you know, that's me. Instead, be an encourager to those who do struggle with it. Now, if you're on the other end of that, and your personality naturally is not one of submission. By the way, if you, if you're, um, you don't struggle with submission, you're going to struggle in some other area. If you're naturally submissive, you may have a struggle of trying to be bold for Christ. So just understand that that needs to humble us and encourage us to help one another. But if you struggle with submission because your personality is that way, I'm, I'm just, some of you would, would say, I'm just strong. I've always been strong. Please understand this. Submission does not equal weakness. Some of the strongest women spiritually that I know have learned to submit to their husbands and to respect them by walking in the power of the Spirit of Christ. Submission does not equal weakness. So what are the results of this? I want to take you to a whole different book, a different author, under the same Holy Spirit, and that is 1 Peter 3. In 1 Peter 3, it says this. Likewise, wives, verse 6. Um, I'm sorry, verse, uh, verse 1, we're going to go through 6. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct, do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on gold jewelry, the, the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the, listen to this, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, 
which in God's sight is very precious. Don't you want to be precious in God's sight? For this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. May God give you husbands the strength to pray for, to love, but never to try to force submission. And may He give you wives the beauty of submitting and respecting in the power of the Spirit as unto the Lord so that the world can see the illustration of Christ and His church. Let's bow together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Will you enable us to be willing to meditate on it, to ponder it, to seek to conform to what you want, not for anyone in in this room or anyone in in our lives, but, but for the sake of the Lord Jesus who gave us all for us. We pray this in his precious name. Amen.